I'm Brian Myers. I'm Mike Ritalik. I'm Becky Haddad. And this is Al Pellets, a podcast featuring tips for ag teachers. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. Hey, Al Pellets, welcome back to another conversation uh, with leaders in the field. We are excited, Mike, because we get to see Becky talk to herself. Because as we know here at the Al Pellet, Becky is one of our hosts that gets to interview people. But now Becky gets to be the one being interviewed. We get to see her talk to herself all the time. Now the audience is going to get a chance to do that. <laughs> all the things that haven't that we don't usually record, we're going to record today. <laughs> My question is, if she asks a question that stumps herself, what does that mean? Well, I have really awesome co-authors. Really awesome co-authors. Speaking usually, of, usually they can unstump me. That's right. Speaking of awesome, awesome co-authors, we have returning guests with us, Haley Trainey and Aaron McKim. Thank you both so much for being here and working with your co-author, Becky, on this. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Did you, did you sense the hesitation in their voice? Yeah, I totally heard Haley being like, let me tell you about what this is. <laughs> Hang on, everybody, just a minute. <laughs> Haley, blink twice if you need help. <laughs> there you go. Wait, wait, wait. Is that you need more help? Or is that she blinked like five or six times, everybody? I know. <laughs> I know. No, so, but with all of that greatness, we're, we are going to talk about a pretty serious topic and one that you guys have done a lot of great work on that we have talked about before here on Owl Pellets that um, I just know by going around the country talking with ag teachers and leaders in agricultural education, this work is, is uh, being read and listened to by folks and hopefully we can continue to move this conversation forward. So with that, uh, Becky, why don't you give us a little bit of a overview of what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, so before we got on, Brian read the, started to read the title of this paper and stopped. <laughs> so just to kind of situate what this is, this paper is a little bit different from a lot of what we talk about on Owl Pellets. A lot of what we talk about on Owl Pellets is research that some sort of study has been conducted. And we say, all right, here's, here's what we did. Here's the population that we looked at. We went through this process and got some findings, and we can discuss those results and their implications for teachers. Our study, or the, what, what we're talking about today, is really kind of taking a step back to say, okay, what do all of these studies kind of say? What are some things that we've seen and what are some things that we've heard? And so taking both our experience with teachers in doing workshops on helping set boundaries and help maintain boundaries to really say, okay, where is there room for that? And I think probably where we'd really love to chat today is, I think, as and some of this because we're engaged in this work of helping teachers set boundaries. I think we're hearing more and more that this encouragement to set boundaries is becoming more normalized. We're hearing a lot more, you know, even even at conferences this summer, hearing more and more teachers say, you know, we, we need you need to set your boundaries. You need to do those things. I think there's still a little bit of that black box of like, OK, cool, but how or around what? Um, but it's really kind of that around what that led us to kind of our continued conversations in the paper to really kind of think about while that conversation is becoming more normal, there's still a lot of pressure and a lot of expectation to take on more. And it, it makes it really hard to know when you can say no. And I think knowing in, in that navigation of when can I actually say no, or I still really feel like I can't say no. At some point, we kind of had to say, all right, well, this might not just be a teacher thing. We need to look at what is really 
what's really behind this feeling of, but I can't, but I can't actually say no, I can't actually have boundaries. And so that's really the conversation today is really where are some of these pressures coming from where it feels like I, I can't set boundaries. This isn't for me. I can't actually say no to some of these things. Yeah. One thing that we've noticed as we've engaged in boundary workshops across the country is that there is this deep desire to be able to say no to things, to take things off their plate, to be strategic in what we take on. So there's that desire. And, and then they have some tools and strategies for actually enacting boundaries. But when we look back at how, how do we do this in the first place, we have to realize that one, it, it's a function of personal choice. So we have to feel agentic and enacting boundaries, but we also in a way need permission from a system to enact those boundaries. And so what we're looking at in this paper is thinking, okay, ag teachers want to create boundaries. They have some, some tools in their toolkit to, to do that, but there's something larger going on where so many of them feel like they can't even start to attempt those. And so what we're looking at is, yeah, what is it about the system that we have and what are we actually telling teachers about what they need to do or should do? And how is that feeding into this inability to enact boundaries? I think a key piece of this is also just before we get too far into the conversation is also defining boundaries. And we generally start our workshops with, you know, a boundary is a boundaries essentially defining you in terms of your limits and your limits in relation to someone or something else, which is not fun. Like the, the work is hard in itself, <laughs> but then compounded with, you know, how do we look at where some of these pressures are coming from? I think it can, can make it even tougher to say, all right, what's, what's mine to say yes or no to in the first place? Well, yeah. And, and so let me ask just a kind of a real novice kind of question. And, and maybe, I, I don't know if this will help set the stage for a conversation or it'll implode it, but how, how did, how did we get here? And so where did, where, where have we been kind of historically and how's it evolved and, and how have we gotten to this conversation an appropriate conversation, in my opinion, but how do we get to this conversation today about kind of setting boundaries? I mean, Haley, oh, Aaron unmuted. We'll let Aaron go. Oh, <laughs> well, I, I would say I would say the things we do in agricultural education are good things, and so nobody wants to get rid of them. And we come up with great ideas. The discipline of agriculture continues to evolve, and we continually add more things uh, because there are good things, and we need to maintain relevant uh, relevancy, uh, and so it's 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 just this overwhelming accumulation of things um, without any attention to what needs to be removed um, from the task of of teachers. And and when that happens, that's when uh, the need for boundaries continually uh, increases. And to go with that, so we have kind of this situation with AgEd and. This is set against a backdrop of, of a culture that we've created um, where we feel like we can't, you know, say no to things. And this is because that growing expectation. And, and that's something that's come from previous research. I've talked about it on, on this show, but there's this growing amount of expectations. And so with that comes a lot of challenges, right? And so that's kind of how Becky and I started with these boundary conversations, this thing of, okay, how do we actually have this incredible ag program and have a really fulfilling career as an ag teacher and not kill ourselves doing it. And so as we've had those conversations, we've started to peel back the layers, like why is this actually happening? Why is this a phenomenon? Why can't we set boundaries 
is this novel to ag ed? And so we've started to look at these teacher situations individually, but then kind of set against the backdrop of ag ed, you know, entirely in its history. And it started to kind of reveal this monster. I think some of it for us was we specifically for this paper really looked at the Journal of Ag Ed and said, you know, what do we actually say teachers should do or should be or are? And we just kind of used those sentence stems and looked through discussion and conclusions to really kind of think about, okay, even in just our own research models, you know, when we engage in this research, we go back to, you know, when we, when we start a study, we go back to the previous research and say, all right, what has everybody said? What do we need to be doing? What's, what's the basis for this? We, we do our study. And then when we present our findings, we, we should add to the, the body of work about what's actually recommended. And so the, the sentence stems even in thinking about, you know, what, what are we recommending for teachers and for continued process? There's this really tricky balance that I that I don't know. Maybe Aaron's got it figured out. <laughs> of of what do we? When are we continuing to improve and evolve? And when are we just adding something else? And I think when we hear some of these conversations, something that's really I think at least challenged me in the last year, kind of knowing this, having this this frame for approaching ag ed, is really kind of thinking about well, why is that thing needed. So somebody present, you know, we say, well, why do we need to have this conversation in the first place, let alone all the solutions that are going to come out of it. And so when we haven't really taken the time to think about why are we, what's, what's there, we said, oh, we need this. All right, here we go. We are so good at developing and so good at, at, at serving and, and continuing, continuing to generate these things. Like Aaron said, it can be really hard to back off and say, wait a second, pause. <laughs> we don't have to fill that need absolutely immediately. Or what need are we actually trying to fill here that that we just kind of put a band-aid on in the meantime so that goes back maybe if you think about some of the earlier conversations especially Haley with some of your work and earlier there and other folks if I remember correctly which my memory is not very good part of the problem part of the, your, the problem you brought before was we weren't even willing to have the conversation that we need to set boundaries and from what I heard now is at least we're, we're we being teachers are willing to have the conversation that says okay I need to set some boundaries now Really, not saying we're all there, but at least we're, we're beginning to have the conversation and, and, and make it more of an, an okay thing to be talking about. What are your all's thoughts on how do we how do we school-based ag ed leaders and other colleagues continue to support those to support others in having those conversations that at least from what I understand is the first the first step is admitting we have a problem, right? And working to to have the conversation to set management. So what can we be doing to support others? to continue this conversation? Great question. I think one thing we have to be careful with, and we don't have all the answers, right? We can offer a few things based on what we've discussed in the paper. But I think one thing that's important is that it's not solely the teacher's responsibility to fix everything. And that's been kind of a problem in, in, in a lot of the literature that we've seen across education um, is, yeah, the teacher is the problem. If they can't cut it, then they need to fix themselves. They need more professional development. They need this, they need that. We need to train them better, give them more training, et cetera. So I think just even that mindset shift saying, wow, if they're, you know, let's look at what their expectations are, how they're doing. Um, and if they're struggling, how can we empower them to create boundaries, but not just say, yeah, you should, you should do it. Say no because we've all been there where someone says, do something, you know, have more work-life balance. You can set boundaries, but then there's no model for it or there's no support structures. And so one thing that we kind of explore in this paper is thinking about the broader system. So kind of zooming out from the individual teacher 
and thinking about and thinking creatively about structures and systems and policies and traditions and how can we tweak some of those things so that the environment as a whole is not set up so that the teacher has to make, you know, create boundaries or quit. Um, so that's not a really specific answer, but I think that mindset shift piece and then zooming out to think about systemic things to, to make those tweaks to help set the teacher up so that they're not having to survive, you know, they can thrive in the, in the profession. I, I would add kind of as we support teachers doing this, I think there's two, there's two things we have to be aware of. One is when a teacher, when an ag teacher establishes a boundary, they're going to establish a boundary. They're going to say no to something that is good for, for students. And there's going to be guilt associated with that. Um, and so awareness that this is a very difficult process to do, and we have to have some support for educators as they as they go through that process. The second thing I think to be aware of is when you establish a boundary, you have to be careful a little bit on what you say no to, because sometimes and I, as teachers, you say no to something, you say no to a committee assignment at the school, and then the committee goes and does work and makes your job harder. And you're like, well, dang it, if I was just on that committee, I could have steered them in this better direction, and now, now I've got to go fix the problem. So I think we've got to also be thinking kind of broader, more systematic about what are these, and, and as Haley's articulating, think big picture about all of the the things that are influencing what's on the teacher's plate and and being very selective and maybe educating those decision makers, the individuals with power, so that they consider the plate of the teachers when making those decisions. What are your thoughts on recommendations? If we, if we could speak to um, some of the national leaders and even of, of education I get as we go through and say, what should they be knowing about as we continue to, to create more programs? And again, I'm not throwing rocks at anybody here, but you know, there's always another program that's it's a great program that comes from National FFA. That, that's that's phenomenal. It meets a need that does something for another group of students. But again, we don't take anything away. And so, what what kind of advice do you have for those national leaders as we're developing? And and again, as you as you put put together very well, Aaron, it's a very good program that meets a, a great need to to do something. What, how should they be aware of this larger picture around boundaries as they're developing and, and bringing out new programs? Well, as a member of the board of directors of National FFA, let me talk about how great and <laughs> flawless. No, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a great conversation. I look forward to my colleagues' input on uh, what National FFA and others can be doing to think about this. Whoa, well, are we gonna let him? Are we gonna let him cough out like that? I mean, I asked that question because I knew he was on the board of directors. Oh, I was about to hop right back on and throw him under the bus. This is just for facts. A thousand years ago, I, I spent my, my tour of duty, I was on the national FFA board of directors as well. So go ahead, Becky, throw your co, co author under the bus on this one. I'll let you do it instead of me. I believe in the future of I'm sorry, Becky. Sorry. <laughs> um, one of the things that I think and I really appreciate having Aaron on this on this team because one of the things, one of the frameworks that he really brought this way without getting too in the weeds is really kind of this model um, of thinking about kind of an ecological system. And when we think about this, when we think about an ecology, um, I think for me, it just conjures these ideas of things working together and working symbiotically. And there are things, there are, there are natural progressions of the ways that things happen. But within that um, and within the paper, there are some really, there, there's kind of this framework for how do we think about what a system needs to be to actually be transformative. 
Um, because I think what we talk about a lot, and when we think about some of the PD, when we think about some of the characteristics that we're looking for in teachers, we're talking about adaptation. And we're talking about ways that we can, we can fix this specific problem that we see, and the teacher can adapt to it, and we can go without really a lot of back and forth from, from the system to think about how might we also need to be transforming together beyond just adapting and just going back and forth with these with these adaptations. And so when we think about some of those those pieces, we have things like there's the the system, and I'll I'll take the first one, and then I'll <laughs> let then I'll let Aaron or Haley kind of jump in. One of the factors is this idea of diversity and redundancy, and it's the importance of a system having actors with different functions, um, as well as a system in which multiple actors can enact the same function. And so rather than having a whole bunch of people doing the same things over and over, we've got some people who can do this and some people who can do that. And we know what other people can do. And so when we think about ag ed, you know, are we really well situated to say, hey, this is what the ag ed research crew does really well. This is what FFA does really well. This is what teachers do really well. We may have some things that overlap, that's redundancy, but we also have things that are unique to each of those, that's diversity. And so those are things that really allow us to think about, okay, where are those pieces of the system actually working together and not just one thing and acting on the other all the time? So if I understand it correctly, I have to check my understanding here. So like in the state of Florida, we have several of our programs that have multiple ag teachers in them. And so in some places, the teachers somewhat divide and conquer and say, you, you build on this strength and you're teaching these courses and leading these FFA events and doing these community events. And you're doing from there and they're communicating, but they're kind of dividing and, and, and doing that. Where other ones, every time that chapter, that FFA chapter or that ag program does something, all two, three, four, whatever ag teachers are at that event or are doing that particular thing to do that. Is that somewhat along the lines you're talking about there? And, and I'm assuming you're going to say that somewhat the divide and conquer, is a, but communication is, a, is a, a way to provide some of these boundaries or am I reading too much into that? I was hoping Aaron would take that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's an example where it, it could be, I think often when we think about the things that we, we do over and over again, often we can, we can end up duplicating work that's already happening. We got off a conversation with somebody earlier where they were talking about um, internships and you know, student development programs that I think we hear on first instinct and my first, like my first ag teacher instinct is like, okay, how do I develop this? Like, how do I get like, how do I get this rolling? And I just kind of go into that development mode, but there are people already doing it. <laughs> so some of it for, for me as an ag teacher, for me as a state leader, so where am I, where am I connecting across the system and who do I acknowledge as this system? I think that's something that we haven't really clarified in our, in, in our paper and are still kind of working to get our hands around when we talk about like, Who's, who's in this who's in this ecosystem of of ag ed that we really need to kind of think about about drawing on and leveraging experience across I, th I think kind of like connecting the the two conversations the last two conversations together I, the reason I I really I like this paper I am biased but I like this paper because I think it I think it arms you with a warning system as a as a person in agricultural education where when you're in these decision making conversations, uh, you kind of start to ask yourself, wait, what's the impact on teachers? What's the impact on teachers? Are we asking teachers to do more? 
and it, when I sit on the the board of directors National Fay, I think about even the slightest little thing. I think this is going to add a little bit to teachers. And if there's 13,000 teachers, that means we're going to lose some of them. If we add this one tiny little thing, and even we can argue about how insignificant it is, it's we're going to lose some teachers because for them, that's going to be the straw. And so I, I would encourage folks to engage in this research because it does. It changes the way – even I, I write research. I used to write and just think, okay, let's recommend X, Y, and Z for teachers. Now I'm like, well, no, I can't do – that's not what we should be doing. We should be writing recommendations for folks to support teachers, not telling teachers, here's what you should do. Well, I, I think that is a great summary statement to what you guys are doing here. I mean, this is, a, a, a again, a very important topic. I encourage all of us that are in leadership roles to, to do just what Aaron said. Use that as kind of a filter as we're going through and we're trying to develop these particular things and understanding what what impact that's going to have on, on folks downstream to do that. And, and again, I think it's important. We'll say that we'll say it out loud. None of you are suggesting that we don't do anything or we don't add anything else at all. It's just a matter about being intentional and understanding about those kind of an impacts and having those conversations. And I, and I do really encourage folks not only to to listen to the podcast here and the, the infographic we're going to have with it, but also read the paper because there's a lot of real uh, tangible things here that both ag teachers can have as well as, as school and state leaders, because as you guys pointed out, things are coming at the ag teachers from all levels. Both we, we we picked on national FFA just because they were the easy target there, but it happens at the state level, happens at a local level. There's the district, there's the Kiwanis Club. I can remember, you know, every school is getting called to hold 15 different petting zoos or serve at the local Kiwanis group or whatever else. And after a while, it just takes a toll on folks. And how you need to this 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 paper and this conversation gives our teachers. I think at least a conversation to build a lens through making those kind of decisions. And then how do you talk to your students about why you're doing certain things and why you're not doing certain things? So y'all, thank you so very much for the conversation today. It has been very informative as always. This is, this is a great topic, one that we could spend hours upon talking about. Um, it's it's uh, very impactful. And so thank you guys for sharing this work with all of our folks here on Alpellets. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Check out our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about our guests. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay connected. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. For Mike and Becky, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thank you. And we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets Tips for Ag Teachers.